Now that we've slept on it a little bit, what are some extra thoughts that we might have on the offensive coordinator hire? We'll hear what Brent Venables had to say as well and start digging into the top transfer portal needs for the Oklahoma Sooners on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Every day is make sure you go check out each one of our shows this week where we dove into the offensive coordinator discussion. But now it's official, official. The Oklahoma Sooners, the University of Oklahoma, released on Wednesday that Seth Luttrell, Joe John Finley will be the co-offensive coordinators for the Oklahoma Sooners going into 2024. So now that we've had a few days to digest this, Josh, what are some of your thoughts, lingering thoughts, anything that we haven't touched on or need to retouch on because it's an important hire. I mean, obviously at the University of Oklahoma, every hire is going to be important, but getting the offensive coordinator right is paramount, especially when you're going into a league like the SEC where the defenses are going to be better and you're going to have a much smaller margin for error on the football field. I come back to the continuity, obviously, was an integral component here. And uh, you know what? Not that Seth Luttrell gets this play-calling gig strictly because of that. Not that Joe John Finley gets this promotion strictly because of that. But uh, it, it was a big-time factor here to keep the continuity We've also seen in the day since Jackson Arnold weigh in. I mean, as soon as as soon as uh, Oklahoma football put the release out today, uh, this being today on Wednesday, Jackson Arnold, boom, quote tweets with multiple exclamation mark emojis. So that tells us as Oklahoma fans, media, uh, what you wanted to see, right? Which is it's got the Jackson Arnold vote of confidence. So I would say continuity and the Arnold vote of confidence – very, very important. Not only Jackson Arnold, but Michael Hawkins, Kevin Sperry as well. It's a group of quarterbacks that is going to be paramount and instrumental to Oklahoma's future success. And you have to have, you don't have to have it. I mean, you could go find other quarterbacks because you're the University of Oklahoma. You're always going to be able to find quarterbacks. But given that you've built this class and the next class and the next class alongside Jeff Levy, making sure that you have your quarterback situation set up for the next few years, like Oklahoma already does. It's nice to know that you change coordinators, you make promotions, you bring in a guy like Seth Luttrell from the analyst role to the offensive coordinator role. And it doesn't disrupt that at all. Obviously Jackson Arnold was the the big issue because that's the most immediate issue. And the fact that he's excited about it, I think that tells you enough about what this should mean for the Oklahoma Sooners next year. And then that Michael Hawkins, your 2024 quarterback, and then Kevin Sperry, your 2025 quarterback are all on board. I mean, that's huge. I mean, the continuity aspect, it's not just going to be what happens from 23 to 24, but it's keeping things together 23, 24, 25, and further down the road with a guy like Seth Luttrell, with a guy like Joe John Finley. Because you talked about it, Josh, you mentioned it in our show yesterday that looks like we may have the succession plan in place for offensive coordinator play caller 
after maybe even Seth Luttrell. If he has a couple years where he's really successful, maybe he lands himself another head coaching gig and moves on. And Joe John Finley is able to step into that role. So you've set yourself up to have a, a hierarchy or even like a, you know, Jeff Levy begat Seth Luttrell. Seth Luttrell begat Joe John Finley. Joe John Finley begat, who knows, down the road. But Brent Venables taking kind of some, uh, I don't know, a little bit of biblical principles here where, you know, you got David and then, you know, his son and, you know, some King monarchy type of stuff where it sets up the, the lineage a little bit, or maybe some Paul to Timothy to whoever came after Timothy. I can't remember right now off the top of my head. So I like the setup. You've got your offensive coordinator thing stabilized with a guy that a lot of people respect the, the players, the alumni, they're all excited about it as well. So I think that tells you a lot. And it's not just alumni that played with Seth Luttrell and alumni that played with Joe John Finley. It's guys like JD Reynolds who came after or before it's guys like, uh, Dimitri flowers, you know, dudes that are kind of have similar makeups to these guys, you know, Latrell being a fullback and Joe John Finley being a tight end. You see all your fullbacks and H backs coming out in support of the move. And you're like, okay, maybe this is going to set Oklahoma up to have some more versatile, you know, fullback H back type play and get something maybe a little bit better out of the tight end. It's uh yeah. Exciting to think about that possibility that maybe Oklahoma's a little bit more physical in the run game that maybe uh, H back tight end, uh, those types of positions can be, I think naturally they're going to be more effective because Oklahoma simply had a down year at, uh, at tight end. And I expect, uh, you know, with Devon Mitchell and others, I mean, I do anticipate just a, a general bounce back, but you know, hopefully with uh, Latrell and Joe John Finley grabbing the reins of this thing, that would naturally lend itself toward that position uh, kind of rapidly improving. I think also it's worth pointing out again that this uh, this idea that Seth Luttrell was somehow a failed head coach, I just don't think is is correct or a fair description about Seth Luttrell. And then obviously the the play calling success that he had along the way at Arizona, Indiana, North Carolina, and then into his head coaching stint at North Texas. I would define myself my uh, day after thought, John. I think initially. To some degree, I was jarred a little bit. We'll hear Brent Venable's remarks on just this. I think I was jarred a little bit by and struck by the fact that, to me, maybe it wasn't a full-fledged offensive coordinator search, right? I don't know that they totally vetted external candidates. We heard the name Brennan Marion, right? And here they're coaching in a conference championship game this week. And the game's not been played, so it doesn't linger into next week. I think initially I was jarred a little bit by that. And now today I've come around to the reality of I've just fired up to see a couple of Sooners get this opportunity. It's now an Oklahoma staff that, uh, you know, with Brennables going back to his extended time as a defensive coordinator, linebackers coach at Oklahoma. And uh, obviously you think about DeMarco Murray. You think about uh, obviously uh, now – Seth Luttrell, Joe John Finley. I mean, this is a staff that is littered with hashtag OUDNA. I mean, guys that were raised in the program. That's not just some lock it up, throw away the key that it's going to be successful, John. But I do think in terms of the in-state recruiting, in terms of being able to sell, okay, this is what Oklahoma is all about. That's pretty exciting. And I've come around to, to that component of it. Yeah, I think that part of it is exciting. And I think the other aspect of that is 
now that Brent Venables is a couple years into his program, he's got his coaching staff really solidified. They're also rebuilding kind of Oklahoma's reputation. You're starting to kind of hear some lingering thoughts about maybe high schools didn't really like or respect the Lincoln Riley uh, coaching staff or era of things. Now, obviously there were, you know, position coaches that recruited well anyway, but certain schools maybe didn't have a favorable opinion of Lincoln Riley and, and the, and what they were trying to do at Oklahoma. And so maybe things are, are kind of turning around um, on that front at times and, and having guys like Seth Luttrell, who was very active at the university of North Texas as a recruiter has a lot of ties to the, to the high school scene in North Texas. We know that Emmett Jones has a lot of ties as well. Those two could be a dynamic duo recruiting the state of Texas for you. And I think it's, I think it's great, you know, and anytime that you can continue to cash in, in a hotbed like the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex in that North Texas area, we've already seen how fruitful it's been for the Sooners with the Denton guy or the Denton Ryan additions, Billy Bowman from Denton Ryan, Caleb Hicks from Denton Ryan. And then you got the guyers from, you know, uh, Billy or sorry, Peyton Bowen and Jackson Arnold, and then Eli Bowen coming as well. So continue to recruit that North Texas area where Seth Luttrell does have some great ties. And I think it could really pay dividends for now and in the future as well. We'll hear what Brent Venables had to say about the hire coming up here after the break. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. So Brent Venables, he uh, shared his thoughts in Oklahoma's official release. You can read the full thing over at Soonersports.com. I also have it in our story over at Sooners Wire as well that you can check out over there. All great coverage. Brent Venables had this to say. Yes, this was an easy move and sorry, easy and convenient move, but it was also the best move for our program, our players and our staff. I went through a thorough process and vetted and visited with a lot of candidates, including sitting head coaches, former head coaches, NFL assistants, quarterback gurus, and others. Josh, let's just start with there. We'll take these. I feel like there's several things that we should discuss. Let's just start there. You talked about being concerned that maybe they didn't have a thorough process to hear Brent Venable say it. And I, I'm not one to think that he's going to be someone that lies to us because I mean, he, he said it right out off right out the gate. Yes, it was the easy and convenient move, but it was also the best move for our program. We had a thorough process. What do you make of that? Well, uh, I like that. Obviously he's, uh, he's upfront about the situation. Right. He's not afraid to address the quote unquote elephant in the room, which is, was this the easy, convenient way out? Was this a thorough process? Like I said, you know, that was really kind of my initial concern 
was that it came down so quick. Uh, probably you had the built-in succession plan in place, and it might have been, you know, le like let's say it wasn't a thorough process and it's a home run. Well, it's a home run higher. Everything worked out. It doesn't matter. You had the succession plan in place, but that's a dangerous game to play with uh, your hiring process. If you get further down the road, you have another hire to make, and all of a sudden you just go with the in-house option because you kind of had that plan in the back of your mind all along. Now, if you tell me that you did have a thorough vetting process and all roads led back to Seth Luttrell, who again, it's not just some in-house hire here. And again, to Joe John Finley, who's not just some in-house hire here. Here's a couple of guys who, you know, Joe John Finley, certainly in line for a promotion. Seth Luttrell, certainly an established play caller and a very successful play caller across multiple stints at Arizona, at Indiana, at North Carolina as the head coach at North Texas. So it's not as if Seth Luttrell gets this job because he's buddies with Brent Venables and, you know, served as an analyst this past year with the uh, Oklahoma staff. No, he's, he's an established quality play caller. It just, that part I was a little leery on, but to hear Venables come right out and say that I, I do think, yes, is uh, it's positive to read. It makes you also wonder how long has this kind of been in the process? You know, the Mississippi state job came open weeks ago. Could Jeff Levy, Brent Venables been aware of this for more than that time? Like, Zach Selman. It would not have been much for Zach Selman to call up Joe Castiglione and be like, hey, I'm I'm interested in Jeff Levy as my head coach. And if that's the case, and you know, they they that was part of the plan, then Brent Venables, Joe Castiglione had a lot of time to start working on replacing Jeff Levy. If again, this is hypothetical, this is an if, and even and even if not, from Wednesday of last week through the weekend playing on Friday gave them the opportunity to really dig into this Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And by Tuesday evening is when we figured out and sooner scoop reported that it was coming down the wire and they were going to make Jeff, uh, Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley, the, the offensive coordinators, but you had four days otherwise to zoom call and Skype with people and, and FaceTime and, and do interviews in this day and age, you can, you can accomplish a lot because of technology you don't have to have you know an in-person interview unless somebody just blows you away and then you bring them in to you know meet the rest of the staff or see the facilities or whatever again this is all maybe what if let's move on to what brent venables had to say but everything kept bringing me back to this duo duo in our offensive staff as a whole Bill Biedenboe, DeMarco Murray, and Emmett Jones combined with Seth and Joe John. There's just great natural chemistry and cohesion, which is incredibly important from Brent Venables. I mean, I feel like that's that's been a key element of importance for Brent Venables since he got to Oklahoma. He talked about fit, alignment when he got to Oklahoma, having the same vision, being on the same page, and having that co cohesion with Joseph Haraz, Joe John, Joe John Philly, <laughs> Joe Castiglione, and himself making sure that everything was that everybody had the same vision and identity. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. And obviously, you've got in Latrell and in Joe John Finley, two individuals that Venables feels has the same vision, uh, has cohesion, has continuity, and uh, you you just wonder the 
if you if you weren't making the jump into the SEC next year, if that was say two years down the road still, I mean, would that have opened up the door for Oklahoma to look a different direction externally? Honestly, I don't know that it would, John. I think that this is not about in particular. I know that a lot of people have sort of taken that angle and it's, well, continuity is more important than ever because you're making this jump into the SEC, which is the nation's best conference. I just think this is about something, a core principle of Brent Venables, and that's we need to be aligned. We need continuity, cohesion in what we're selling and delivering and uh, mentoring for our team is important. So a lot of people will say that it's because of the SEC move alone, John. I'm not so sure that it is. I think it's the cohesion and continuity element. Probably I would uh, be more apt to buy the Jackson Arnold portion of that argument if you wanted to sell me on that in terms of continuity. So, And again, I keep coming back to this part of it, which is, as Vittable said, everything r- led him back to the continuity, the cohesion, and the fact that here's two guys that are simply qualified for this opportunity. And and I think that part matters as much or more because if they weren't successful and they weren't highly thought of offensive minds, it wouldn't matter about the continuity and the cohesion. If they're not very good, just because you know them and they have good relationships, that's not enough to get a job. But because you know them, you have good relationships, and they're good at what they do, it makes it easy to make this decision. Brett Venables continues to say, we've had great success the last two years offensively, and this will give us a chance to continue to evolve as we transition to the SEC. Just like every year, there will be some things that are new next season. We'll take advantage of what our roster allows us to. We've got a wealth of experience and exposure to different offensive concepts system and systems, but in most ways, things will be really, really similar to what we've been doing. That's a good thing. Also in the release, Brent Venable spoke of the minds that Seth Luttrell got to sit under as an assistant, as a player from Leach to Mangino to Fedora to um, Kevin, Kevin Wilson. Wilson, you know, just a bunch of really, really good offensive names that he's had an opportunity to learn from. It, it goes back to the same thing from Brent Venables. Why did you feel so comfortable and confident in what Brent Venables is going to be able to do as a head coach, even though he hadn't been a head coach in his entire career? Well, the names that he sat under, Dabo Sweeney, Bob Stoops, uh, oh my gosh, Bill Snyder, you know, three legends of the sport. And that's why you're going to see a successful Brent Venables. That kind of stuff matters. Yeah, it's uh, obviously a business that a lot of times is steeped in who do you know? Who have you learned from? For and, sure. uh, you know, you take a little bit from everybody and and then you you invent, right? If you're Seth Luttrell, you don't have to be married to what Mike Leach did, is what Kevin Wilson did, is what Fedora did, is what I want to do. It's uh, take a little bit, learn from all of it, and then uh, carve your own path. But obviously that's a that's a impressive list of coaches, which is not shocking, right, for Seth Luttrell when you have the the type of track record as a national champion player at Oklahoma, and then uh, obviously his his history of jobs, his career trajectory, which we've spent a ton of time talking about. Of course, there's going to be uh, exciting names when you get the the o- OU Oklahoma uh, offensive coordinator gig. So it's uh, it's exciting to see uh, a Sooner take this thing over, and obviously now you've the last couple of uh, offensive coordinators uh, sandwiching around Lincoln Riley. That's been the case. 
We're going to dig into top portal needs. We'll discuss this uh, on this episode, and we'll probably continue to dig into it as we inch closer to the start of the transfer portal season. We'll talk more about that after the break. Today's episode brought to us by Prize Picks, the best home for daily fantasy sports. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. Why is that? That's because you can place your entry in 60 seconds or less. Just head on over, use our code Locked On College for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks.com backslash Locked On College, where you can again place your entries today. Prize Picks. It's the most fun I've had this season, winning up to 25 times my money during this football season. And now you can play during basketball season, too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. Just uh, for those of you that are curious about some of the some of the plays out there this week in Conference Championship Week for college football, Quinn Ewers, more or less than 266 0.5 passing yards, Alan Bowman. Uh, if uh, a first half like BYU happens, I'm probably going less than 250 and a half passing yards. But uh, those are a couple of the numbers out there. Again, the best place for daily fantasy sports. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. That's prize pick. So head on over, use our code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com backslash locked on college. All right, Josh, it is just about portal season and the Oklahoma Sooners are going to need to do some portal shopping, even though they've got some really talented youngsters that will likely take on new roles for this team. They're going to have to get into the portal. And I've got three needs, Josh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. But three things that I or areas where I feel like Oklahoma really needs to uh, attack in particular um, and a lot of that's going to have to do with what they do up front. And that's along the offensive line, the defensive line, and in the defensive backfield. Let's just start with the offensive line first, Josh. The Oklahoma Sooners are projected to lose Tyler Guyton and Walter Rouse at tackle. Okay. That's huge. That's two years in a row where you lost both your tackles. Back after the 2022 season, you lost Anton Harrison. You lost Wanya Morris. Now you're losing Rouse and Guyton. Now, Jacob Sexton got some really great experience starting at right tackle in place of Guyton over the last three games, but that still leaves you a left tackle spot that either you're going to have to rely on your youth, where you added you know, guys like Logan Howland, Heath Ozida in the 2023 cycle. You have a guy like Jacob Taylor from the 2022 cycle. You could push Caden Green from left guard to left tackle, but then you've got a hole at guard, and there's a potential that McCade Mattire and Andrew Rame could also pursue the NFL as well. So you have upwards of three, maybe four positions that you've got to replace from guys that were week one starters for you this season. Yeah, with Sexton and Green, I think you're feeling positive about what, I mean, those two guys, it feels like, would be names we would almost pencil in or Sharpie in yeah. for, for next for sure. season as, as starters for Oklahoma. But beyond that, there's a lot of questions. And as you pointed out with Caden Green, you, you obviously have uh, an interesting bridge to cross because here he's been dynamite inside at left guard for you. And uh, do you think about bouncing him outside? I mean, obviously, Caden Green probably would like to play at uh, left or right tackle, I would imagine, because guess what? That's a money position in uh, the National Football League. And I don't think there's any doubt that when it's all said and done, Caden Green will be an NFL player. So for Caden Green, it would make sense why he would want to make that jump. But obviously, Bill Biedenboe, Oklahoma, they're not in the business of just uh, 
handling somebody else's business while they're in college. They got to, you know, try and put the best offensive line together, best five for OU. So we'll see what that brings to the table for Caden Green, uh, you know, in terms of guard or tackle. He's a starter, though. Sexton, a starter. Taylor, can he make a big leap forward? So there's quite a few question marks about some of the young guys. Uh, what's going to happen with uh, with Rame's future? Uh, is Bates somebody that's ready to step in? Troy Everett, is that somebody at center? Probably, uh, you know, the interior, center. Uh, I'm talking center, guard, tackle everywhere. You're looking for potential portal help. So I agree, offensive line is, there's no doubt they need portal help there. And then we flip over to the defensive side of the football because, I mean, I feel like that's going to be a top need for him too. Now we'll see uh, what the the attrition is, but you're expected to lose Isaiah Coe, could lose a guy like Dejon Terry, could also return. And really, you just need kind of more dyna- dynamic playmakers on the inside. It was good at times, but as the season wore on and teams found more success running the football against the interior of Oklahoma's offensive or defensive line. So I think if you can find a difference maker, again, there are not very many defensive tackle difference makers out there in the portal because you just don't get a chance at those guys very often. There could be one or two, but we'll have to see. Um, but I feel like they have to continue to to stack talent at that spot because when it was at its best, it's you had a healthy rotation of Terry and Co and Kelly and Lacey, a little bit of Davin Sears as well. So your thoughts on defensive tackle, Josh? Well, they and obviously really edge in particular. You could throw edge in there as well. They're going to need guys to to grow up. Uh, PJ Addy Baware, you know, that's a, a name that you would look at as it got some some good experience this year, thrown into the fire a little bit. Naturally, that jump uh, once you've got some snaps under your belt, you get that film review, you get a full off season, another year, uh, nutritionally, all those sorts of things he'll be somebody that Oklahoma is expecting to have a big time breakout season. But uh, beyond that, yeah, you could, you could use uh, you know, a portal guy or two outside uh, obviously along the interior, which, which young guy do you feel great about from this year going into next? I mean, it's tough for me to pick one for Oklahoma. I don't know that uh, there's necessarily a name that jumps to mind. I actually think it's going to set up and this will excite some Oklahoma fans. I, I think it sets up for uh, the folks in this signing class to step in as freshmen and be legitimate playmakers at defensive tackle just because of what sort of the outlook is going into next season. Now, you know, portal hall where you get a couple of, you know, proven defensive tackle playmakers could alter that. But right now, I think uh, we're looking at two guys that could step in at defensive tackle and, and help Oklahoma immediately. Those two guys, Josh is being a little bit coy about that, but that's David Stone and Jaden Jackson. I think both guys we think could come in and be impact players. And then if you want to talk about a guy on the edge, I mean, Nigel Smith, a top 100 prospect, he could come in and, and kind of fill a similar role to PJ a little bit, you know, ro- be a rotational player, especially if PJ is able to take a step. Our Mason is if he's able to stay healthy. Uh, Ethan Downs will be back. But I mean, Ethan Downs had a solid year, but what's the ceiling for Ethan Downs? Has he reached it? You know, I, I, I like the player. He's a really, really good, you know, two-way player. He defends the run well, gives you a little bit of pass rush. But I was expecting him to kind of take a bigger step this year than what he did. And really, I was expecting that from guys like Grayson Halton. And I was expecting that from, you know, uh, a number of dudes. I felt I, I felt like Rondell Bothroyd was going to be a, a real 
big difference maker for this team. And it didn't really turn out to be that way. I don't know what the difference was, but he, he just, he underwhelmed. He did not live up to my expectations and the production that he had at Wake Forest. Finally, on the portal and there's they might address some of these other things and other positions in the portal but tight end yes they've got davin mitchell coming in yes you've got guys like caden helms and jason llewellyn as well uh, you got Cade mcintyre that's a part of this roster but you just don't know what you have in those guys you don't know what you have in jason llewellyn and caden helms and Cade mcintyre you haven't really been able to see them on the football field Cade mcintyre had one big play early in the non-conference schedule but you didn't really get to see him for the rest of the year tight end's going to be huge you got davin mitchell coming you don't want to like bank on a true freshman coming in and being a difference maker right away does it if it happens fantastic like you count your lucky stars you you're ecstatic about it but you can't bank on it you can't expect a true freshman to come in understand all of his responsibilities as a run blocker as a pass catcher and the nuances of an offense in year one could it happen? Could Davin Mitchell just be that dude that just blows everything away, blows all the expectations away? 100%. The guy is a, an incredible player with all of the tools to come in right away and be a successful player. That doesn't necessarily mean he will be right away. It's hard for true freshmen to break in. And at tight end, it's hard to make that jump from high school to college and then from college to the NFL. There is a big learning curve. That's why you don't often see rookie tight ends be super productive in the NFL usually takes one, two, three, or two to three years before they really start grasping the nuances of their position. And I'm not saying that this is definitely going to be the case for Davin Mitchell. I'm just saying temper expectations a little bit. So with that being said, they really need to go find a veteran tight end in the portal. Not unlike they did with Stogner and Blake Smith. And then just hope that you get a little bit more production out of the position in 2024 while you're getting Davin Mitchell ready to be your starter. Yeah, it, I mean, it would make sense that uh, you go get some tight end help. Uh, somebody, right? I mean, if Helms can stay healthy, uh, you know, maybe maybe he makes a, a legitimate jump. McIntyre would be a good candidate there. And then uh, Mitchell, I do think, is going to step in and be a player. But to count on him to against the nastiest linebackers in college football and the best defensive backs in college football to count on him to go be, you know, a 500 plus yardage guy and seven touchdowns and to be the the best option in the run blocking game maybe is a little bit ambitious, even for that type of blue chip talent in the SEC. So I'm, I'm with you on that. It's a proven talent would be nice there. I also think corner Corner and safety are easy positions to look at for Oklahoma uh, to supplement. So those would be the other position groups that would be sort of toward the top of the portal wish list for Oklahoma. Yeah, we'll talk cornerback and we'll talk safety on our next episode of Locked On Sooners for Friday. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on every platform. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams, Boomer Sooner.